Greetings and salutations. I'm Jennifer Kennedy, the lead for quality at CHAP, and welcome to this month's CHAPcast. Today, I'm talking with Summer Napier from Healing Hands Healthcare in Texas about their hospital at home program. Hi, Summer. How are you doing today? Great. How are you? I am doing great. I'm really happy that you're joining me to talk about your uh, program today. But before we jump in, um, could you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself and the Healing Hands program? Absolutely. So I'm Summer Napier. I am the CEO and co-founder of Healing Hands Healthcare, um, located in Wichita Falls, Texas. Uh, We are a home health and hospice organization that serves about 22 counties in North Central Texas. I am an RN by trade and uh, also have my master's in healthcare law. I'm super passionate about the home-based care industry and about moving it forward. And I just feel very honored to do the work that I get to do every day. You know, it's very cliche, but they say, when you love what you do, it never feels like work. And I just wake up every day with the passion to bring healthcare home and to do it alongside the most amazing people. And so I just love what we get to do. Yeah, it's great when you love what you do. I've been uh, also fortunate to do that for for many, many years. So um, when I meet other people who have that same passion, it's... it feels like you're you're uh, you have a kinship with them, you know. Um, it's Absolutely. so great uh, to to meet that that population out there. So when uh, I reached out to you originally, uh, you told me a little bit about your hospital at home program, and um, I I really felt like it was uh, fitting because of the focus that community-based healthcare is garnishing over the last, let's say, well, I guess two years since, um, you know, COVID has begun, and that we're really positioned in our healthcare continuum to push healthcare um, more so out from inpatient settings into where people really want to be. They want to be at home and receive uh, care in their communities. So tell me about your innovation. How did it happen? Yeah. So our hospital at home program, and it's it's a buzzword right now. You know that everybody's talking about it. Everybody wants to know about it. We actually started ours back in 2018. Um, I did a presentation on it at the annual NAT conference. And it was funny because there were people in the room and, you know, you get feedback and 90% of it is good. And then you always have those few that say this is never going to work. And I remember reading my comments from that, you know, most of them were great. This is exciting. And then one of them was like, this is never going to work. And then fast forward, not even a few months later, I think that was in November. And then in 2019, I believe is when the pandemic hit. And um, I remember just it being complete chaos and laying in bed at two o'clock in the morning, because again, when you're super passionate about the work that you do, you just never, I hate going to sleep and I hate waking up because I hate going to sleep because I just want to maximize every minute I have to just change the world. So right. I was not enough bed. hours in the day, right? Not <laughs> enough hours in the day. No. So I was laying in bed and literally I fired off an email to a local hospital COO and I said, I can't imagine what you're going through. I know that your operations are in complete chaos we're here to help. We have a hospital at home program. I know we've talked about it and we've never really, you know, come up with the plan to bring it to fruition in our community, but now is the chance. I know that you're you're full. I know that you have people in the waiting room and I know that you need help 
with these people that you just don't have room for. And I said, give us a chance. We're here to serve. Um, the very next morning, I got an email back saying, let's get on a call. And so we got on a call and within a couple of days, we were getting referrals to this hospital at home program that we had built and we were planned to, we had planned to, you know, bring to fruition, but we just never had the opportunity to arise or we couldn't get people to bite onto it because, you know, people are skeptical of what home health is and what oh, you Oh, sure. Yeah. So that kind of just evolved within, honestly, weeks. We had tens, twenties, thirties of patients that our hospitals couldn't serve and right. they were kicking them to us and we just had to figure it out as we went along. Um, and, you know, the funny thing about home-based care is that people think it can't be done until it's done. And so we just found ourselves in situations doing things and taking risks that we probably never would have had the opportunity or the guts to take if we right. weren't in the middle of a pandemic. And so that's how it started. And that's how it's going. So... So just to differentiate, you know, we have the the CMS hospital at home, and, and I believe it's a demonstration project right now. And, yes. and that's not what we're talking about here. Is that correct? Correct. So our hospital at home program is agency led. Um, now we do have, um, we are part of a contract with a local hospital that does have that. Um, that is not where we're the most successful at because you know, if you really want to own something, you kind of have have to have control over it. You do. So yeah. we we actually run um, our own hospital at home program, and it looks it, it follows all of the same protocols as CMS, and was actually already built that way before CMS came out with their, you know, their checklist of things and their applications of what you have to have done to apply for their waiver. So we right. had already had all of those built in into our program before that ever you know was published. But what we do is um, it's basically, and again, there will be questions. I get it at every conference I go to where we talk about it, of how it's funded, how it's paid for, how it works. Right. But we basically utilize our medical director as a hospitalist, quote, quote, in the home, basically just the overseeing physician in partnership with the certifying provider. And he is available 24-7 along with nurse practitioners and PAs to have that provider support 24-7. And we just put them on home health. They're on the traditional home health program. They just have higher acuity services in the first couple of days or weeks, whatever they need. And we just kind of build around it to meet their needs. But we so, can do anything in the home that they can do on a med search floor. Okay. So it's like a leveled up home health experience. Is that fair to say? Yes. Coupled with partnerships such as DME, home delivery for pharmacies, um, that type of thing. So you're doing things like um, infusions. Um, uh, do you do you have nurses with that skill set with infusion skill set? Are you contracting? How does that work? So we don't contract any of our staff. We're, we, we only utilize our staff because we feel like we want the buy-in and we want them to be mission-minded. Um, but how it started is we did have two um, nurses that were ICU ER experience that started our program and they are exceptional. And they were seeing all of the hospital at home patients until we got so many that they couldn't they couldn't manage them on their own. And then we thought, okay, we're really, this is really, you know, 
going to happen. And so we started a training plan to where all of our staff can take hospital at home patients, because at any time, one of our traditional home health patients that we may have had that have been stable for COPD has an exacerbation and needs right. to be flipped to our program. They need to be, they feel more comfortable with their nurse and those nurses need to know how to manage that patient on a hospital at home model. And so then we started um, laying out training programs, orientations, higher skills checklist of things to get them more comfortable with a lot of the skills that we do on our hospital at home program that they may have not done a lot of previously. And so now it all of our staff, every one of our nurses have hospital at home patients on their caseload that they manage in conjunction with our hospital at home coordinator who oversees the labs, make sure, make sure that we don't miss a beat, that scheduling's appropriate. You know, we do have a coordinator that helps give that extra level of care, but. So what, you know, you're describing this and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is like, um, like it's like a, almost like a bridge program within your home health program, you know, um, where I think probably your hospitals that you partner with would be happy that you're probably reducing their readmission to hospital when, whenever you possibly can, which, you know, uh, is a metric for hospitals, right? Um, Depending on the diagnosis. So um, I almost see this as like a, a, you know, a, a bridge program where you're, you're taking a patient, whether they have high acuity, and then you're you're getting them down to a, a lower acuity for home health, or if they need the higher acuity, you can flip them right to that higher level of care within the same program. Continuity. I love it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. A bridge program is a great way to describe it. More so like a palliative care program is a bridge, a bridge program for hospice. Our right. hospital at home program is a great bridge program for somebody returning to the home that may have went to a sniff, but really didn't need to be there. They just felt like, you know, sometimes they might, might have made a sniff referral because they're like, this patient just isn't quite as stable enough to go home. And right. so when they, they send them home with us, we can go out, you know, we have a commitment to our hospitals that if you send us a patient that's hospital at home, we will be to their home within two hours. We will make sure that their discharge, you know, med list is correct. If there is not, if it is not correct, we will work with the certifying provider. And if we have permission from that certifying provider to utilize our medical director, we'll make sure that the meds are called in. And we, it really is about a whole lot collaboration and it's about a lot of new innovation that home health agencies haven't traditionally used. You know, we right. always look at the, the regulations of things we have to do or we can't do. But the reality is that the regulations tell us the things, they give us guidelines. They tell us you have to have a certifying provider. If you take an order from a, pa- a physician, they have to be on your plan of care. Well, we Mm -hmm. had to get creative with that. You know, a lot of the hospital at home patients are congestive heart failure patients that a cardiologist manages. Why do we not historically have cardiologists listed on our plan of care to take orders from? You know, why are we going? Yeah. Why are we going through the PCP who literally has no idea what that patient is taking, what their BNP is, you know, what their history is? And so we just need to think outside of the box as an industry and utilize the regulations um, in a way that we haven't, not being so stuck to them where we feel like we can't do anything that's not listed. But the reality is that they tell us what we have to do. Now, let's, let's go. Exactly. You know, it's it's you uh, uh, 
essentially uh, practicing at right. the top of the range of the regulations right. for home health, which I, I think probably most um, home health providers just don't even think about that as an option. That, that's kind of what it sounds like to me. All right. So I have to ask you challenges along your journey. Challenges along my journey. Um, well, there's lots of them. Um, I'll go through a couple of them. And then if you want to expand on them, you just let me know which ones. You always have the one that bothers me the most is challenges from other home health agencies or people in our industry that when you start to be innovative, they start saying, well, what she's, you know, what they're doing is not legal. It's fraudulent. You always have that. And they don't realize mm -hmm. when they say those things, it hurts the industry as a whole. That's my, that's the, the biggest challenge that gets under my skin. But from an operation standpoint, you also have skepticism from physicians at first when a home health agency likes to rock the boat because they think that when they think home health, they think you're going to go out once a week, you know, right. you're going to take the hypertension patient. And when you tell them, give me your sickest patient, give me your problem child, give me the one that bounces back, they think something's funny. And so for, you know, a good six months, it took a while of people realizing, you know, hey, they really are reducing hospitalizations. Hey, their hospital at home program does have a 96% success rate of preventing a hospitalization or rehospitalization. They had to see the numbers before they really decided to, to jump on board. Um, and then you, you, they also worry that, you know, the providers that you're coupling with or using are going to steal their patients, which we all know that's not going to happen. We're not going to steal their patients. Right. Lots and to then, go around. Yes. And then you also have, you know, just a poor care coordination issue. We mm -hmm. have a lot of patients and very little providers. And so, you know, all of the physicians want home health agencies to keep them in the loop to reduce their hospitalizations until you have to bother them at two o'clock in the middle of a Tuesday morning. <laughs> and so, and so, you know, just an example is most recently we, we have standing orders that we have little things to avoid, cut down on paperwork, um, you know, prevent mm -hmm. prevention from bothering the physician, such as if there are signs and symptoms of a UA, we can get a UA. That's a standing order. Um, yeah. If they have constipation, we can give them an enema. They can buy it at CVS, but we have to have an order for it. You know what I mean? Right. So little yeah, things I do. like that that you can put on your plan of care. And we had to call a physician. He said, no standing orders. Absolutely not. I want to be called on everything for my patient. Uh, we called at two o'clock on a Tuesday morning and we needed to give an enema for this patient who swore she was going to go to the ER. And he flipped out and said, why are you waking me up for this? And then the very next day he put those standing orders on his plan. <laughs> why am I not surprised? <laughs> yeah. But that happens for our sickest patients. Hey, you know, we need to be able to get stat labs. If it's a CHF patient, give us a standing order if they have a weight gain of three to five pounds, you know, in 24 yeah. hours yeah. to get a BMP and get that to you so we can make a sound decision. Don't make me call you for a BMP and then call you back to give you those results and get orders. Let me eliminate one of those calls. We're not going to waste healthcare resources. In fact, home health does just the opposite. We do very little testing and unnecessary treatments that patients don't need. We're very cost right. effective. So 
I think just helping them understand where we're coming from, helping us reshape what home health really is, and also giving us a seat at the table for the care continuum. We're not an afterthought. We should be, you know, we should be a priority. We help make their numbers look better. And in turn, it increases their payments, you know, their MIP scores, hospitals, you know, rehospitalization errors, all of that. We improve that for them. So when they realize that we're a partner, I think the world gets better for everybody involved. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like you've really um, um, proved to them that there can be a a quality handshake, if you will, between the acute and the post-acute uh, realm, and, and you're doing it extremely well. I have to ask, staffing, particularly in the nursing area, how has that uh, affected your program? So... Um, it's always a hard question for me to ask because I don't feel like I've been impacted the way that um, the national industry has. We actually have are very well staffed and we've never really had a problem getting quality staff. Um, luckily, we are, in my opinion, I'm also biased as the co-founder to be the best place to work. And we have a very high retention rate, um, greater than 90% over the past seven oh, that's years. That's great. Yeah. Um, but we do that because we realize that these nurses, these therapists, these aides that show up for us, they're, our, they're not only our bread and butter, but when we hire them for me as an owner, I'm making a commitment to them that I'm going to treat them like they matter. And so culture is its also another buzzword that's overly used and doesn't mean anything for a lot of people but we take care of the people that take care of our patients. And that means that's where we put our money. It's not, you're not gonna find when you look at our financials and our PL, top heavy paid executives at the top. Our money goes to bonuses for staff, retention bonuses, productivity bonuses. Hey, you went out at three for me and you weren't even on call. Here's a bonus. Let me set up a coffee, you know, coffee for the whole company on the Tuesday morning following a three-day weekend because we know three-day weekends in home health are not exceptional when you're squeezing five days of patients into four. Absolutely. Uh, We're really intentional with that and making sure that they know, hey, we mean it when we say we care about you come give us a chance. And then, and then the majority of the time they never leave. So that's so great to hear. It sounds like you have a good recipe in place uh, in terms of that. So um, I think my last um, question for you is that uh, when we're talking about quality and, and I'm passionate about healthcare quality, how has your hospital at home program impacted your quality proposition? So I have to ask because I'm all about quality and passionate about healthcare quality, uh, particularly in home care and, and hospice and any community-based uh, location. How has the hospital at home program impacted your quality proposition? Yeah, that is a great question and probably not one that most people are going to want to hear, especially on the hills of value-based purchasing coming up. But um, when you decide to go after innovation and when you decide to take on the sickest of the sick and to truly meet them where they need to be met at their lowest point, sometimes you don't have the best quality outcomes. Um, however, I say that because I want, it to, I want to be very transparent about what that looks like. Um, but on the flip side, right. I also say that we have exceptional quality scores 
and we have a 93% success rate of preventing uh, hospitalization or rehospitalization on the hospital at home program. Um, we have almost zero mortality rate, but the reality is, is there are some bounce backs that you're going to get hit with because you took on a higher acuity patient. For example, through COVID, you know, these patients, you never knew when they were going to throw clots. You can't predict that. It was just the nature of the, you know, the virus and the disease process. And, and so you might do everything in your power to make sure that they were on their blood thinners, that they had their oxygen, and if they clot, they clot and you have to send them back. So when you get ready to go, you know, after innovation, after these, these high acuity programs, the leadership, the administration, and even CMS has to understand that there has to be a little bit of give when it comes to quality because unfortunately we don't control how, how medicine plays out sometimes. Right. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that um, most likely I would think there's some kind of conversation that happens when you're bringing this patient on saying, you know, we're going to do everything that we can to keep you in the place where you want to be cared for. But should something happen out of our essentially scope of practice, you know, we'll have to send you to a, um, a facility where you can be cared for. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. We have that conversation with everybody. We talk about their goals. Um, what What are your goals? Do you want to stay home? If this were to happen, how aggressive do you want us to be in the home? We can do these things, um, but do you does that scare you? Do you prefer to be transferred back? You know, I said we just really have to be honest and upfront about what could happen, what could go wrong. What do you want to do if those things do? We don't anticipate it happening, but I think a lot of people are afraid to have those real raw conversations. And I think it, it's a benefit to the patient and to us and the care plan because they know what could happen and it's not a shock to them if it does. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that's for me, and that in itself is, is quality giving them that, um, you know, what, first of all, asking them, what do you want to happen? What's your expectation and your perspective, but you know, really being transparent and saying that if something happens that is above and beyond of what we can handle, uh, we're going to send you to clinicians in a place where you can be handled with the, the best quality of care. So in me, for me, what you're, you're doing in that respect, elevates the quality of care of what you're doing in addition to all of the other wonderful things that your program is doing. Yeah. And not to mention, I do believe that it is a con condition, a regulation for us to, you know, discuss the patient's goals. And I think sometimes we just assume that's by asking them, what day do you want to be seen, which it is, or, you know, where would you like the binder in your home to be? But they, that also includes asking them those hard questions. And so I definitely agree with you that it impacts quality. Absolutely. Well, Summer, thank you so much. I want to ask you, um, as we wrap up here, do you have any kind of last um, thoughts or um, words of wisdom to our listeners? Yeah, um, I always just want to encourage, you know, the home care industry, the home-based healthcare industry to always say yes. Um, we can get comfortable. We can always want to take, you know, the most basic disease processes out there, the hypertensions, um, the easy patients, especially going into value-based purchasing. But our industry needs you. These patients need you. And just always be ready to say yes and always be willing to take on new adventures and innovations so that we can continue to bring healthcare home.
Thanks, Summer. And thanks to all of you for taking out time uh, to plug into the podcast today. Hopefully you took away a small pearl of wisdom um, about the hospital at home program uh, that Summer uh, outlined for us. And, you know, I'm thinking more home health need to really think about pushing the envelope in what they can do in their community. So from me and the entire CHAP staff today, stay safe and well, and thanks for all you do. Cheers. (laughs) 